Welcome to the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm Danny Small, your host, alongside my co-host, Chip Murphy. Chip, how are we doing today? I'm good, Danny. Ready to talk about some Knicks basketball. What's up with you, man? Nothing much. Nothing much. It's kind of this quiet, you know, dead period during August here. But the, actually, the way the NBA does it now is actually perfect. They released the schedule in early August, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to give a deep dive into the Knicks schedule, um, and I guess I'll start us off. We got Spurs opening night, so I think that's actually a pretty good opening night game. I think the Knicks, they've had some decent ones in years past, but this one, it's a nice, no no national television, no, nothing like that. It's kind of just a, you know, a little thing to get them going, but I think playing against the Spurs Marcus Morris revenge game. I think there's you know enough storylines here. You got Popovich, um, you know, going against Fizdale. I think that's a pretty solid opener for the Knicks. It'll get off the season off on the uh, at least on an exciting foot, even if not the right foot. Because my guess was I'd be I'd be betting on the Spurs right now. But I actually I I really like that opening game, and we'll start there. We'll get into all the important stuff, but we'll start with Spurs opening night. Um, Chip, what do you think about that? What do you think about San Antonio, Nick Strong, them in San Antonio for their first game? Yeah, I love the Spurs thing. Not that I, not that I think any less of the Spurs, but whenever I think of the uh, opening night thing, I think of how the Knicks with the uh, D Rose, Joakim Noah Knicks had to open up against uh, the Caps, mm-hmm. and they got blown out, and it just seemed like the season had lost steam right from the start. And then last year against Oklahoma City, yeah, they just got rocked on the road, too. That was a tough one. Yeah, that was brutal. And I think Kristaps played pretty well in that game, but still, it, it was a bad loss. And not that expectations were huge last year, but it, it was still devastating to see that one. Um, well, yeah, but, you're, you're saying two years ago, the the Kristaps in OKC, right? Oh, two years ago was Kristaps mm-hmm. in OKC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, because I was, I was actually, I was going to bring it up later, but the, last year they drew the Hawks at home. And That's they, right. They slaughtered yeah. them, like destroyed them at home, and you know, of course, me and everyone else got like. Fool, and we're like, actually, are these Knicks better than we thought they were? Which obviously wasn't the case, but um, I think I, I know what you were getting at there with San Antonio. It's like a nice first game for the Knicks. Not a team like a, that's going to destroy them or dominate them. They're kind of like a middle of the pack Western Conference team right now. It's a good early test for the Knicks, but it's nothing that's going to be like demoralizing. Like you brought up that Cavs game was kind of like. Jesus, you know, it was like right off the bat that, you know, to all of a sudden you're like, all right, this is going to be a tougher year than we thought. At least with the Spurs, it's kind of like, you know, a good Western Conference team. If they show out, then you get a little bit of confidence saying, hey, we just competed with the Spurs. But if you get, you know, if you get rolled a little bit, you can say, hey, Western Conference road game. We'll just see what happens from here. 
Um, but it, I think I, I think I took your point there. But was that what you were you were thinking about with San Antonio? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The on the road against the Spurs, I think, is always a good test. Any play on the road at home is always a good test against the Spurs. But the uh, yeah, I think it's great to play Popovich the first game of the season for Fisdale too, because mm. he's got all these new players he's trying to work in. And he's going up against the best coach ever, best coach in the mm-hmm. game. And I think that's going to be really great for him to see how the best coach is going to game plan against his team. I think that's really interesting. And for the Knicks, like you said, they're not a great team, a great roster. But uh, DeRozan is still a special player. Aldridge is still a special player. They still have a much better roster than the Knicks do. Mm-hmm. So if Dennis Smith... Uh, if Julius Randle can put up a good game against the Spurs, that gives them a lot of confidence going forward because it gives players a lot of confidence when they perform well against teams like the Spurs. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to get off like too much of a tangent here on the Spurs, but like Dejounte right. Murray, if he's healthy, Derek White is looking really good this summer. I mean, the Spurs—they yes. might have a pretty like they might have a pretty good backcourt. I think. I mean the. I'm not going to sit here and say they're a championship contender necessarily, but they have a nice little team, like, quietly. And as we all know, with the Spurs, it's like every year you expect them to take a, you know, take a downturn and not have as good a year. And then next thing you know, they're winning 50 games. They're the, you know, the sixth seed or whatever, and they're having a great year again. I wouldn't bet against them, but I do. I, I think that's a great point you make about Fisdale. Popovich, you know he's going to come in, game plan, the whole nine yards. He's going to know exactly what he wants to do in game one. And I think it's a good test for Fisdale to kind of go up against the best in the NBA. I mean, I I think it, I, I don't think it's crazy to say Popovich is the best coach in the NBA. So it's a, it's an interesting, it's definitely an interesting first game. I, I definitely think it's going to be a, uh, you know, a test for the Knicks early and kind of see where they're at. Um, but then it doesn't slow down at all. Right after that, game two is at the Barclays against the Brooklyn Nets, led by Kyrie Irving, a guy who was at least in the Knicks thinking last year. Um, Chip, what do you think about what do you think about that first matchup with the Nets being game two? They faced them game two last year as well, but obviously, kind of the dynamic between the two teams was a little bit different back then. Yeah, just a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> The understatement of the year. (laughs) Yeah, the understatement of the year for sure. Yeah, I'm happy they get it over with. All this nonsense trash talking on Twitter between Knicks fans and the small contingent of Nets fans on Twitter. I'm happy that the first game just happens in the first week of the season, you know? Yeah. Like, even if it's in Brooklyn, let's be honest, we know that most Brooklyn Nets fans are uh, still outnumbered by Knicks fans mm-hmm. at Nets home games. So it's going to be interesting to see if the number of Nets fans grows during these Knicks-Nets games and by how many, because we'll see how many front-running Nets fans there are. You know, like mm-hmm. when uh, LeBron and Bosch went to the Heat and all of a sudden the uh, Heat fan base grew exponentially. That was pretty interesting. but. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Very organic. Uh, that was organic. That was just, yes. they were all Heat fans in waiting, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm happy. Like I said, I'm happy that they're getting the game 
out of the way early. But I'm also I, I'm very interested to see it too. I'm not going to act like jaded, like I don't want, like I don't care. I, I want to see them play the Nets. I want to see us play Kyrie Irving. I want to see DSJ against Kyrie. That's going to be fun. I want to see Mitch against Jared Allen. Yeah, that's a good that's that's a good matchup yeah. right there. Because we act because the media acts like Jared Allen is better than Mitch, and that's not sense. But I won't go down that road. Uh, I think <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the the worm has turned a little bit on that conversation. You think, I think so? I think like yeah. I don't know. I, maybe maybe I'm just reading certain people, but I feel like most of the people I hear, if you if you ask them straight up, you know, Mitch or Jared Allen, who you taking? I feel like most would take Mitch, but I do. I do know what you're saying. Like last year, the kind of the the feeling was almost that like, oh, Jared Allen is like what Mitch hopes to be in like three years. Like that's something you know. Like people, yeah. people kind of. And I love Jared Allen. I'm high on him. But I think I, I agree with you. I think Mitch is is a better player than him already. Like right now, if if you're asking me to pick between the two of them in a game tomorrow, I'm taking Mitch. For sure. For sure. I mean. Who's you know the prototype for that kind of player is Rudy Gobert. Oh yeah, so, oh, I, lo- I love yeah. that. I love that comparison, Mitch and Rudy. Yeah. yeah. So who's closer to Rudy Gobert? I don't think it's any contest, right? It's mm-hmm. Mitch. Just the way he plays looks like Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Yeah. Just so 100%. much like him, and yeah. I, look, I agree with you. Jared Allen's a nice player too, but Jared Allen can't guard anybody in the post. And I think Mitch has a much more skill set that's uh, competent to be able to do that. But now we're going off on a Mitchell Robinson, Jared Allen. <laughs> we, oh, we we Which could. I'm sorry, I started yeah. that. No, it's all right. We could talk. We could talk about Mitch for days. I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. god. Um, but no, they just uh, I I hundred percent agree with what you're saying about the Nets. Um, I it's a good thing to get it out of the way early. Get like just get that first one out of the way. But the thing I always hate, and I feel like they, this has happened the last like three years. The last time the Nets and the Knicks play is the end of January, January twenty sixth. I would, I would actually like, and it's not. I don't think the Knicks are competing for the playoffs, which is something we've talked about before. But I don't think the Knicks yeah. are competing for the playoffs. But I'd like a March Knicks Nets game, and I feel like that never. Like they just they front load the games. They have one in October, one in November, one in December, one in January, which. I guess it's kind of spread out, you know, they're like a month apart each, but I I would I would like it to see more of like a like a late Knicks Nets and maybe when the Knicks get a little bit better, they're a playoff type team, maybe that'll happen. But for me, like it just I feel like you lose a lot of that juice when you know the last game is going to be like in the you know towards the end of January. Yeah, like Knicks Nets on St. Patty's Day, maybe. That yeah, would oh, that would be. T- I, actually, yeah. that that might be a bad idea for the city, but uh, yeah, but that's a good point. But that would be a good idea for you know for, for us for hype Fun. and yeah, oh, and for <laughs> we would get like a couple episodes out of that one. I think. Yeah, the Knicks are weirdly playing the Hornets. On yeah, that St. was Day. that, that was a, a more boring opponent. That was a weird like, one because I think last year I think it was. Was it was it the Lakers last year? I think. Or I think so. It might, I think it might so. not have been. It might not have been yeah. that same, like the day of St. Patty's Day, but it might have been that weekend. But yeah, yeah it's, usually they give like you know a somewhat decent game. Knicks Hornets. That's like if you're not a Knicks fan or you're not a Hornets fan, 
I don't know why you would be tuning into that game. No offense yeah. to either organization. <laughs> March eight. Well, March eighteenth, they're at Boston, so they're giving them that. But St. Okay. Patty's. It's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the game, but still on St. Patrick's Day, the Hornets. Like you mm. said, I mean, no one cares about the Hornets. No one. Now that yeah. Kemba's gone, no one cares. I mean, even when the Knicks are awful, people at least care about them. You can, you know, yeah. you can, you can give them an argument for any game you put them in. But oh, the Hornets—that's a yeah. yeah. That's that's not yeah. That's not even one I looked at and was like, that's a weird game. But that's a that's a pretty weird game. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, you brought up briefly there the Celtics. That's actually the home opener. Um, I believe that's on the twenty sixth of October. That's going to be the Madison Square Garden opener, which, you know, Celtics are a much better team than the Knicks. We all know that. It's going to be the Ennis Cantor revenge game. He's coming back, which honestly, that like, I mean, I don't even want to make Ennis Cantor like the centerpiece of that game because I think it's, there's the Knicks and the Celtics, it's a bigger story than Ennis Cantor. I don't want to give it like too much time, but honestly, I'm excited to see the kind of reception that he gets when he comes back to Madison Square Garden because I don't know. I I honest, you know, Kyrie when he goes back to Boston, he's getting booed. You know, when Chris Dapps yes. comes back to New York, he's getting booed hard. I'm I wouldn't put money on it that Ennis Cantor gets booed when he comes back to New York. No, I don't think he will. Um, it's not. It's not Nick's Twitter in the stands at Madison yes, Square yes, Garden. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. If Nick's Twitter was the only people in Madison Square Garden that night, he would be booed out of like out of yes. the arena. But mm-hmm. it was it was weird last year when like Nick's Twitter, pe- you know, people. I guess you know, like writers, bloggers around. You know, if you if you're on Nick's Twitter, you you saw the hate for Ennis Cantor. It was unmistakable. A lot of people disliked him, and for you know some valid reasons. But he's obviously got some good parts to his game too. So I think at some point the Twitter hate got a little too much on Cantor, and it kind of like jumped the shark. But at the same time, like when all that was going on, and if I logged onto Twitter, I would see like Cantor's the worst player I've ever seen in my life. He can't play defense. This, that, the other thing, and then I'd go to the games. And there were people literally chanting for Cantor when he was like benched for that little spell there. There were people in the stands going crazy for Ennis Cantor. Yeah, it's we like, want Cantor yeah, and, all the time. Yeah, and I I remember like seeing people like quote articles from like you know Berman at the Post or whoever, and it was Ennis Cantor saying something like you know I know the fans want me out there, and that's why it's so hard to be on the bench. And people on Twitter would be like, "No, Knicks fan wants you out there." And I remember just thinking like. No, it, 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 there are Knicks fans that want him out there. It's, yeah. it, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get like a as mixed a reception as you can get at a Knicks game. It's it, it's weird, but that's like one of the weird, intriguing storylines about that first home opener. Yeah, you're right. That's an interesting one because will he get like a, a like a real fifty fifty? mix of like booze and cheers i just assumed because it's such a different crowd that goes to the games it really that, is yeah and that tweets about the games 100 percent. so i just assumed he'll just get a huge standing ovation cheer maybe not standing ovation but he'll get cheered but i don't 
don't maybe there's enough people that are, are like yeah screw this guy and because he also went to the Celtics too another thing yeah another yeah so that could play a factor into it um but also I feel like there's a certain amount of the crowd like I know there's so many like tourists and non-Knicks fans who are like they show up there and everyone roots for the Knicks because you're there yeah. but like I feel like there's going to be like it maybe it might just end up being like 75% apathetic, like 10% I hate Cantor, and then 50% like, or 15% like, you know, cheering for him. I, I feel like it's just going to be like a weird return. And if I know Ennis Cantor, I know he's going to like walk out on the court, like kiss the like mid court or something, yes, or like, like do, sure. do something, like something like, oh, I'm back, like an Instagram post. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's just, that's just his MO at this point. And it's just going to be weird in a game that's like uh, the, the to me the worst thing about the schedule release is the like revenge game this night revenge game this night I know those are like intriguing storylines but I feel like it gets overblown and now what have we been talking about the Ennis Cantor revenge game for like five ten minutes now it's like <laughs> it's, this is like what everyone cares about because in the NBA now it's like everyone just goes to whatever team moves around. It's it's become the revenge night league. And who does Ennis Cantor exactly want revenge against with the Knicks? The front office, like, maybe I guess the coaching staff. Because I guess I guess Fizz because Fizz did bench him, but but that would also I mean no I can't I'm not saying this out of anything I know this is just me speculating but I don't think Fizzdale was the one benching Cantor I think that was coming from higher up than him. I think probably. Which, I mean, like, what I always said is, like, I understand why you would not want to play Cantor last year. You want to get, you know, Robinson. You want to get some of the younger guys some time. I understand it. But I also understand why he was mad. It was just a weird – it was a weird situation. But he did opt into that contract knowing the situation. That's the other thing. He did. He he knew – and, you know, he can talk about all he wants. I thought we were going to win. Come on, no one thought the Knicks were going to be like trying yeah, to win last year. That's dude. that's just <laughs> come on. That's that's just a I don't know. That's that's not a good uh, that's not a good argument for me. But we should get to the real revenge game. Yes, and this one I'll this one I'll admit. Like I just said, I hate revenge. Like that whole revenge game storyline. But the Kristaps Porzingis coming back to, to Madison Square Garden on November fourteenth. That's going to be a pretty a pretty big game. It's the one of the three games the Knicks have nationally televised, which we'll get to we'll get to the other ones later. But um, that's I'd say that if you're looking for one game to circle on your schedule as a Knicks fan, I'd say that's definitely it. Has to be for sure. I mean, it's going to be an all time boo. Like, yeah. yeah. Every time he touches the ball, uh, when he checks into the game, when he checks out of the game, when he checks back into the game, it's going to be brutal on him. And yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I always rooted for Kristaps. I was a big fan. And yeah, he, look, he turned his back on the, our team. So. It was just really a whole, the whole thing was bizarre. And it's, yeah, he, I'm sure he wants to drop 
30, 40 points, whatever. So he's probably going to take a lot of shots. And he's playing with a great player with Luka Doncic. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they probably have the better team. Uh, so it's going to be a fun game. It's all look. Luka Doncic is one of the most fun players to watch in the league. So it's going to be a fun game to watch. But um, it's also the Dennis Smith revenge game too. Ooh, it's I didn't even get the team that traded him. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's, exactly. There's like a double revenge game. Although I was going to bring this up, but this to me, I hate this. They have the Knicks playing the Mavs like six days before the Madison Square Garden game. Right, like, uh, in Dallas, yeah. To me, that uh, come on, space those out. Like you don't first. First of all, you don't want to put them right next to each other because, like, this is the only two times Porzingis is going to play the Knicks. But also, like, uh, it just feels weird that they're going to Dallas first. Porzingis is going to play against his old team. You know, uh, the whole thing. That I guess technically that's Dennis Smith Jr.'s revenge game because maybe he'll get booed in Dallas. Who knows? Who knows if they even care? But like, it's just to me, I, like. Putting the the at Dallas game a week before the the Garden game is just I think that was bad planning on the NBA's part because I don't know I just feel like that Porzingis if that was the first time he played against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden that would have been you know love him or hate him that would have been an epic epic game to see to see that happen and you know me I am one of the people who said they shouldn't have traded Porzingis I'm yes. kind of I'm on that train. I'm going to be at that game, like, just, if Porzingis goes off, obviously it's a year into, or less than a year into the the trade, so you can't make any, like, definitive, this team won, that team lost, but I feel like if Porzingis comes in, he drops 30, has four blocks, seven rebounds, and the Mavs win, you know, running away, that's going to be a tough, tough look for the Knicks that early into the season after basically they traded Porzingis with the idea that, oh, we're going to sign two max free agents and they didn't get anything. That's going to be a tough look if Porzingis comes in and just drops, you know, drops a 30 on him. That's going to be a tough one for them. It's a tough look because they gave him up for nothing now. And I don't want to hear how they got Dennis Smith back and how they got a pick back. Okay, because who knows if Dennis Smith's going to be on the team in two years, and mm-hmm. that pick and that pick could end up sucking because they have Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis now, and they could be really good now. So I don't want to hear about a pick, and I don't want to hear about a maybe starting point guard. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I've been back and forth on the whether or not Kristaps trade should have happened. You know, they've the front office has tried to sell that Kristaps threatened to sit out the season and mm-hmm. uh, go back to Europe. I think they said at one point, didn't they? He, he but, I guess, I guess from the reports, he he told them in the meeting if he wasn't traded, he was going to go back and like I guess rehab in Europe was the the report at least. Jeez, I, I I don't know. Whatever. It, the whole, like I said before, the whole thing is so bizarre. And I I guess in hindsight that if a guy really doesn't want to be there that bad, you have to trade him because he's just gonna make you look bad. And they also said he was uh, down talk down talking the franchise to uh, other free agents too. 
So they mm. they felt like they needed to get him out of there because he was a problem. And it's still, to me, it's still up in the air as to whether or not the trade was a failure. A, a lot of people consider it the right move already. I think it's still up in the air because That's the wrong. Knicks yeah, That's, haven't done anything. The, to me, what's the most important thing any NBA team can have the most the most precious resource is stars. You can't win without a star. Kristaps Porzingis was undoubtedly before his injury a star, like a budding superstar, a potential defensive player of the year, a guy who could average 30 points, like a a superstar, like a stud. Obviously, his injury makes things a little more malleable like you don't know exactly what's going to happen you don't know exactly how he's going to heal from it but to me you traded Chris Epps for Dennis Smith Jr. cap space and picks picks that's like I love having assets that's awesome like it's a good thing to accrue assets but that's not a star and that's down the line Dennis Smith Jr., is he going to be a star? Uh, he's, I don't think he's going to be as good as Porzingis. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. And then the other thing, salary cap space, they didn't get any of their guys. I, it's, to me, it's just I don't like we don't have to get too deep in this Porzingis stuff, but you traded away a potential superstar. And yes, he did say, oh, I'm going to go back to Europe, you know, according to the reports. He said, I'm going to leave. I'll go back to Europe. But no person in his position has ever turned down the max like after their rookie deal. Not a single player in the NBA history has ever turned down that deal. Porzingis was not turning that down after he just tore his ACL and after he's like on his way back. Like, was he going to play for the qualifying offer for like seven million this year and then try and like go for a max deal as an unrestricted free agent next summer? I don't think that was happening. I mean, I think he was going to he was going to sign that deal with the Knicks. Maybe he'd become a problem, you know, immediately request a trade and, you know, it turns into a whole thing. So we can't ever say definitively. But like the people who say he was never going to sign with the Knicks anyway, he was signing that contract. There's no way he's turning down max money to become a qualifying, you know, sign a qualifying offer and become a free agent next year. Like the the injury risk to me is too much. And the whole thing I always say about the Porzingis trade, until they get another star, the Porzingis trade was a failure. Until they get another guy that can be like one of those – one or two guys you need to win a championship, that's that's what you need to replace Porzingis with. And I don't know if they're going to get that from that deal. So it just we, – yeah, we don't have to get too – although we already did. We don't have to get too deep into the Porzingis <laughs> stuff. But it really – like that's, that's the biggest game of the year I think for the Knicks. That November 14th game, Porzingis coming in the garden – you're going to have the fans like foaming at the mouth for the first chance to see him in almost two years now. I think that is the seriously the one every Knicks fan should have circled on their calendars. Tell your cousin you're not going to the wedding, like whatever. It doesn't matter. That's the game you need to watch as a Knicks fan next year. For sure. And I think you make a great point about the money too. Money cures everything. I mean, he uh... – if the Knicks had been willing to put that contract in front of him, which they were not, would he have signed it? I think he probably would have. 
like everybody talks about how the situation in Minnesota with Jimmy B was a disaster, but they weren't willing to max him out. That's the thing, yeah. Willing, yeah. He thinks he's if like they a were top... willing to max him out, he would have re- he would still be there. He thinks he's a top 15, 20 player. Anyone who thinks that, like a Butler, Porzingis, they're going to want a max deal. Like, right. <laughs> that's, uh, and not to get off on another tangent, but... People who were saying, like, oh, Russell Westbrook didn't deserve the money he got. It's like, do you really think if the if the Thunder offered him less than the max, he would have been like, yeah, that's fine, whatever, I'll, I'll right. take a hit for the team. But, I mean, again, I, yeah, I don't think Porzingis was turning down that money. Whether the Knicks were going to give it to him, uh, who knows? You know, we'll, we'll never know. But, yeah, the Porzingis, if the Knicks wanted to give him a max deal, he was never – ever turning that down. That's just ridiculous to think. And also, the Mavericks couldn't offer that money to him fast enough. They, yeah, so it was It was, a me- it was almost before like almost before Durant and Kyrie signed with the, yeah. the Nets that like you already had heard about Porzingis. It was, I mean, there were no injury concerns there for them and his legal concerns too, which we didn't even touch which, on. Yeah, the which, Mavericks obviously had no Qualms about that. Yeah, which is that's that's for like a a, a podcast of lawyers or something. That's yes, I guess I so. We don't. I, that's yeah, not I don't even. Our I don't even. Yeah, I don't even want to get into that. I'll talk about his knee. I'll talk about yeah. how he. I'll talk about he's great at blocking shots at the rim. But that's that's the extent of what I know. Um, yes, but let's uh, let's move on because there's another actually another early stretch of games and. I actually I just I just put out a post uh, yesterday, which I guess would be two days ago for when people are listening to the podcast. I put out a post, and one of my top five games that you can't miss for the next this year was the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento on December thirteenth, which seems like a weird game, which you would pick for like that's a big game for the Knicks, but it comes in the middle of a four game West Coast road trip, and in a 13-game stretch that that Sacramento game is in. The Kings are the only non-playoff team in that stretch, and they're a pretty good team. They've got they've got a pretty good non-playoff team there. I think it starts on – let me look up right here. It starts in San Antonio on 11-23, and then it's San Antonio, Brooklyn, Toronto, Philly – Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Indiana, Portland, Golden State, Sacramento, and Denver. That is a brutal, brutal 13-game stretch. And I know there's a lot of people out there, maybe not a lot, but there's a significant amount of people out there who think the Knicks are going to contend for a playoff spot. I can't see it after that 13-game stretch because I can't see the Knicks winning more than four, maybe five games in in that stretch right there. That's <laughs> it's and it's that's brutal. <laughs> and it's it's not even like playoff teams where you're saying like oh Orlando and you know like you know somebody who's fallen off or something like even I guess maybe if you want to make the argument that Oladipo won't be back for Indiana they won't be great but still those are those are legit playoff teams Western Conference teams I mean I I don't know I can't I just can't see the Knicks making it out of that stretch of games with their heads on. Yeah, Philly twice, Denver twice. You got Golden State in here. Portland at Golden State at 
Portland. And, like, I, I bring up the Kings because I think that's the most winnable game maybe of the – maybe I guess maybe you want to say Indiana at home is a little more winnable. But, like, that is that is just a brutal 13-game span. Yeah. Yeah. At Toronto, that's – And Toronto, like, obviously they don't have Kawhi, but – I was at a couple of the games last year when Kawhi didn't play in the Garden, and Toronto mm-hmm. just they still smacked him around. Like they were still, you know, Lowry, Siakam, Gasol, like their regular core without Kawhi was still good enough. I don't know. It's for I know we've we've talked about this before, but and I like I don't even want to say that the Knicks will not definitely no chance at the playoffs because they do have some talent on the roster. Maybe, you know, if Fisdale makes it work, kind of one of those, like, magical seasons, I wouldn't be completely shocked. But once the schedule came out, I, was, I had to rethink that because this is just – it's early. The Knicks don't have much continuity. It's going to be a brutal, brutal stretch of games. I, I just – usually that comes in, like, late December, early January, but it's early this year. Yeah, it's – look, the – it's like we're the Utah Jazz right now. I mean, getting screwed in the early schedule. It's, oh, yeah. That's a good point. Apparent, by the way, apparently they got screwed this year, too. Well, the, I feel like, I feel like some, of those, some of those West teams, they have to get screwed like, like that. If you're in a good, you know, good conference in the, or in a good division in the Western Conference, you're going to be playing good teams all the time. Yeah, I guess. It just seems like it always happens to Utah. Yeah. <laughs> the last two or three years, it seems like it happens to them all the time. But, uh, yeah, it's... Oh, God. it's. I hadn't noticed that. It's it's a brutal stretch there. Just like... Because you got, like I said, at Toronto, you got at Milwaukee, too. And then later on there, you got at Miami. So, fortunately, you have well, Atlanta at home. Yeah, and that's... Well, Thank that's God, the thing. Atlanta at home. That's the thing. They have, yeah, well, Atlanta at home, and I, I do think Atlanta is going to be a little better this year, but I would say probably, and even I was just like a couple weeks ago, and say probably people are overrating them a little bit just because of Trey Young and John Collins, and they have young guys. But they have, yeah, Atlanta at home. You would think that's a winnable game at the very least. Then you go to Miami, home against Milwaukee, home against uh, the Wizards, which you would think another winnable game. Brooklyn on the road, I don't know, that rivalry game, you never know. At Washington, that's, you know, another winnable game because the Wizards aren't going to be good. But that, right after that Washington game, so it's like not a long stretch. What is it, five after that 13-game span? And then you have Portland at home on New Year's Day, and then you go on a four-game road trip, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers, Utah. Boom. It's like another another kind of like – difficult stretch like right after it i think it's just to me looking at the schedule it's going to be tough for them with with these just early just just tests it's going to be it's going to be tough for the next yeah and then you got the big debut of zion right after that well that but. yeah that's right after the utah game i mentioned that <laughs> that's that's the uh one of the other nationally televised games they have i think it's it's the Kristaps revenge uh, I want to say the oh the December twenty sixth game against Brooklyn, and then yes. 
and then the Pelicans, it's Zion, you know, Zion versus Barrett, the, you know, the Zion debut at MSG, at least in the NBA, he, he was there at Duke, but. Right, right, right. At least, I mean, hey, I, I got to say, that's at least going to be a, an interesting game to watch, even if both teams at that point are kind of like, you know, not really in the playoff race. It's going to be fun to watch Zion. I still feel like he's going to be a compelling storyline next year. Yeah, I think people expect the Pelicans to, like, compete for the final spot or at least have a pretty good season, right? Yeah, I would, so, I would think so. I mean, I like uh, Lonzo Ball. I like Brandon Ingram. I think they're both going to be good players. I think Hart's a good player. I think uh, Zion would have to get hurt and miss the whole season to not win Rookie of the Year. So you the matchup so? with him and Barrett's going to be fun. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like the hype around Zion is like there's so much hype around him. But I feel like Rookie of the Year at least. I mean, you you even saw it like Luka Doncic this year, like two months in the year. It's like, oh, no one even has a chance. Trey Young, I know he didn't get close in the voting, but he kind of at least made like half uh, half an attempt at it. I feel like if Zion kind of like doesn't live up to the hype in year one, I could see like Barrett or Morant or you know somebody kind of like sneaking in and making a making a play for rookie of the year. Well, because Morant's going to be taking a lot of shots. That's and, yeah. That's that's a good point. And Barrett's going to be taking a lot of shots, like yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he could. He may lead the team in shots. And I, I it, it might not. It, it would be a good idea, I think, or maybe not. I, I think maybe not lead the team in shots, but I I think it's in the Knicks' best interest to have Barrett shoot a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, I say that, but I assume Julius Randle is going to try and get his as much as possible too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, um, yeah, uh, Morant with Memphis, I mean, you have uh, Triple J there, but Morant's going to get a lot of opportunities. And But, yeah, I, I agree with you with the Luka thing, that the hype there matched his uh, – the first half of the season with Luka, he was so great that it didn't matter that he slowed down in the second half because he had already won over so many voters in the first half. That's – yeah. Yeah, and Trey Young outplayed him the second half of the season and still didn't win the award. Yeah, no, it, it was, and it, it really was, like, the first couple first couple months, I mean, obviously, I'm not taking anything away from Doncic. I, I would have voted for him Rookie of the Year, too. Yeah, me too. But, yeah. but, I mean, you're not wrong. It was, like, kind of the first couple months he kind of, like, took it over, and Young was almost an afterthought at that point in the season. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I, I would love to see Zion come in on, you know, whatever it is, January 10th. I'd love to see, you know, the Pelicans kind of like surviving, like in their hunt in the West. Knicks kind of like keeping their heads afloat and, you know, seeing Barrett, Zion go for like a, you know, a rookie of the year matchup type thing. I think that would be pretty cool to see. I think I'll probably at that point both be one or two or one, two, or three. At least, yeah, both of the year voting. Both kind so, of, both kind of in the running, at least. Yeah, I would hope for both of them. You know. Yeah, I would be surprised if they weren't. And there's, we're going to transition from 
the Zion. I think there's one more game I have circled on the schedule, and what kind of sucks is it's January 22nd. So there's like this that that like kind of purgatory area of every Knicks season that's like February, March, April, where it's like every game you're almost just watching to see how the young guys progress. I don't know if you have any pick games picked out from that. We'll get to that in a minute. But the last game I have circled on my calendar is January 22nd against the Lakers. And usually when you circle a game that LeBron James is playing in, it's because LeBron James is playing in it. But this time I think Anthony Davis is a much better storyline because he could still possibly be thinking about opting out and testing free agency. And if that's the case, you're going to have billboards in New York City, Anthony Davis, come to New York. You're going to have all the hype. You're going to have first things first, first take. You're going to have everybody talking about, can Anthony Davis go to the La- or go to the Knicks from the Lakers? I think that's going to be an interesting game for, if nothing else, just people talking about free agency chatter and just drumming up rumors. And again, LeBron, Anthony Davis, the Lakers come to New York. It's still a good game no matter what. Yeah, I love watching LeBron James. I mean, I I don't necessarily uh, like the way that he acts off the court. Sometimes Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. kind of a pain in the ass. But uh, when when you watch him play basketball, there's no one more entertaining other than maybe Russell Westbrook. So... Yeah, it's great to see him at the Garden, too, because he always plays his best basketball there, it feels like. Yeah. And so that's going to be a lot of fun. And Davis with LeBron, I can't imagine a more dangerous uh, duo. So I think watching the two of them together at the Garden, it's going to be interesting, but... Like you said, the fans chanting every time Davis catches the ball. Hopefully they'll have some uh, cheers for LeBron about how Davis should get out of there before LeBron trades him. It's going to be very fun. Uh, I hope they have some Space Jam chants prepared. That would be very fun, (laughs) too. Yeah, that's good. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, uh, I, I haven't even thought too seriously about Anthony Davis coming to New York. I mean, I just assume he's going to stay in L.A. He wanted to be traded there, so why would he want to leave? It'd have to be like a disastrous Dwight Howard, Kobe kind of thing for him Mm. to leave. And I don't see that happening with LeBron. He's not Kobe. But the thing I will say is I agree with you. I do think Davis is going to end up you know, in L.A. with the Lakers for the foreseeable future. But you know for a fact that for at least until January, that's going to be a storyline. That's going to be like, maybe not to the hype level of like the Kevin Durant stuff, but everyone in the media has got to like jump on a storyline and like make something the next big thing. Davis opting out and like leaving the Lakers, that's going to be the next big thing. And who else is going to be around to sign him? It's going to be the Knicks. So I, true. it should, I mean, I agree with you. I, if, if dollars to donuts, I'm betting on him to stay with the Lakers. But I do think that there's some there's some potential for that January 22nd game to be kind of like a like the same you know the same old thing of like 
the Knicks fans saying like, oh, LeBron come, oh, Durant come. I think I just I still think there's that possibility there. I I mean, I know I think it was Mark Berman who wrote uh, that Rich Paul would like to see one of his clients in New York. Right. Yep. Yep. I, I and when I read that, I thought maybe he would just not this client. Like, yeah, he wants to keep this client in L.A. Maybe it'll it'll be a different client. Maybe he wants to see uh, John Wall in New York. So Ooh. he's not with the Wizards whoa, 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 anymore. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, let's back up a minute here. Yeah, uh, I no, I don't want to. See <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm just messing with you. Yeah, yeah. Does, wait, does he does he represent Zion? Because I mean, what's when's his rookie contract up? Oh yeah, I I don't think he does. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, Just him and uh, that's and it's. This is like the NBA world we live in now, but like there's already like the stories about like Zion and RJ have both said they've talked about teaming up in the NBA. And it's like because someone asked him, would you guys ever want to play on the same team in the NBA? And they both said like, oh, I'd love to play with my one of my best friends in the world. And then everyone's like, oh, oh, turns out Zion and RJ are thinking about teaming up down the line. Like. It's just that's when, the like NBA world we live years in. We're talking about now. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, unless Zion, if, if I guess he, if he wants to take the qualifying offer and play a year there and then sign with the Knicks, I don't know. Hey, whatever it takes to get Zion to New York. Yeah, I mean, whatever it, it takes. <laughs> whatever they were doing last year didn't work out, so I guess. Yeah. You know. Um, but. That honestly, looking at the schedule, that's the last game I have circled on my calendar. There's almost three months left of basketball after that. Is there anything else you have, Chip? A big game you're thinking about, or a team that you're thinking about the Knicks playing against that you're excited to see? Well, we're talking about late in the season. We're talking about March, so I'm looking at March second when. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and the Houston Rockets come to the Garden. Okay, okay. And Mike D'Antoni, as we know, always likes to run it up on the Knicks mm-hmm. even when he faces the Knicks in preseason. Oh, yeah. And he leaves James Harden in till the end of the game to run it up on the Knicks. So it's going to be, look, like I, I just said before, Russell Westbrook is probably one of, if not the most exciting players in the NBA. James Harden always tries to score as many points as possible at the Garden. Last year, he tried to set the Garden record. He had, I think he had 60. I think he just missed, yeah. he just think, missed yeah. Mello's record, I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I correctly. think he hit 60. So I expect a lot of points from both of those guys this year. And I expect James Harden to try and break the Garden record again. And yeah. I expect... Like last year, leading up to the game, people were talking about whether or not James Harden would break the Garden record. Um, And I expect people to be talking about that again. And I think it's going to be a really fun game. It's always fun to watch Russell Westbrook. And look, the Rockets have been so good for the past three or four years. And they've been so painstakingly boring for so long that they – needed to inject Russell Westbrook into it. And now hopefully they are a different team to watch, a, a faster, up-tempo team, because they're on TV all the time. You can't all get the away time. from them. <laughs> all the time. 
all the time. You can't not watch the Rockets. So I'm just looking forward to that game. I want to see Russell Westbrook at the Garden, James Harden at the Garden. They're one of the most intriguing teams. You have even yeah, if you don't that's like a good either one. one of those guys, you have to be intrigued by if that. If you don't, even if you don't like either one of those guys, you probably hate them. In which case, yeah. you would like to watch them. Um, yeah. And I, actually, I like that point you made about Harden. Every time he goes to the Garden, he's trying to set the record. I could see, yeah. I could see, hundred percent. Russ like not taking a shot that game and just being like let's <laughs> let's get James the the record and like the, the Rockets taking like an early lead and then Hart or Westbrook having like wide open dunks and just kicking it out to Harden like I could I could a hundred percent see that happening because both of those guys are just like I don't know I could I could just see those two doing that and then I could see D'Antoni being like all right, yeah, we're playing you 45 minutes tonight, James. Like, we're, yeah, you're gonna, Tony just being like, do whatever you want. Yeah, man, you're, right, you're getting yeah. your career high tonight, James. <laughs> like, you are going to have the best game you've ever had in your entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but another one that I'm looking at it now, I like actually the March 21 Golden State because oh, call, me, call me crazy. Anytime Golden State comes in, that's an interesting game. But call me crazy, D'Angelo Russell is not going to be in Golden State forever. Their core is Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. There's there's at least a sliver of a chance that D'Angelo Russell ends up with the Knicks at some point down the line. I don't know. Just keep your eye on that. I don't. I'm not going to say anything definitively or anything like that. But just keep your eye on that because. The Knicks might be looking for, you know, a secondary star at some point in the future, and you know Russell's not staying in Golden State much longer than a year or two. I was just going to say, there's some people who think he may not be in Golden State by March 21st. It's possible. I mean, I don't. If that's the case, I don't think he he would be going to the Knicks. I think the Knicks would be like an off season or like a you know a next year trade deadline team. But it's po- I mean, it's hundred percent possible that the that the Warriors just are like, all right, we're getting Clay back, and you know, right before the playoffs, we have Curry, we have Draymond. Let's recoup, recoup some value for Russell here. Yeah, but they just paid Draymond, though. So I think I don't think they've made a decision on D'Lo yet. I think it all depends on how he plays with Curry, and I think he he plays well off the ball, Curry. So uh, D'Lo needs a ball in his hands more than Curry does. So it's going to be very interesting because a lot of it's going to depend on how uh, good a defense D'Angelo Russell can play. Because but, the reason Thompson and Curry worked so well was because Thompson was able to defend the best uh, guard on the other team. But so, that, that's what, like, do you think do you think Russell, Curry, like they can defend the one-two and then you move Thompson to, like, the three? I, I, I don't know if that... I mean, obviously, offensively, yeah. that's a really good team. But does that work defensively with Curry and D'Lo as like your your two your backcourt guys, and then you kind of flex Thompson up to the the three guy? I don't know. I mean, does it does it really matter? Like, you still put Thompson on James Harden or Russell Westbrook, right? You still mm-hmm. don't guard him on the. You stand yet? What yeah. do you hide D'Lo? You hide D'Lo on. Uh, Eric Gordon or PJ Tucker, you know, one of the lesser players. And then you're putting Curry on Westbrook. 
probably, yeah. yeah but that, see, that's what I mean. Like, on Harden. That's what I mean. It's like a, that's it's just tough defensively to figure out that lineup and figure out how they make it work. I just I feel like Thompson. If you shut down Harden, then it's a wrap for Houston. But mm-hmm. like I think you put your best defender on their best player, and Harden's the best player. Yeah, so. I, I agree with that. I just think it's it's tough after the, after that because Delo's a he's a bad defender. He's not good, and I'd say oh, no, he's I'd say bad. Curry. I, I'll give Curry. He's an average defender. He can he can hold his own. He's at the point where he's like enough of a veteran to kind of like know his know his game a little bit but i don't know i just i don't think it, i don't know if it's gonna work but also i don't know when i think i'll be I'll, i'm comfortable saying i think the warriors are gonna trade russell at some point but i just don't know when and i also i just i think the knicks at that point in time whenever the warriors are ready to trade russell they're gonna be in the position like all right let's go get somebody so i don't know that's just that for me Somewhat of an interesting matchup. Just keep an eye on Russell out there. I would like to. I would like to see Russell on the Knicks. I would have went after him this year. I thought about that I, too. Yeah, if I was uh, if I was the Knicks, but I thought he was going to uh, the T Wolves. Yeah, because that was that was a whole talk. He wanted to go play with, I guess, Call uh, Anthony Towns or something like that. But yeah. I don't know. I guess. That fell apart pretty quickly. Yeah, and I guess when when the Nets decided they could, you know, do the sign and trade, that probably just kind of fell into place. And also, if you're in D'Angelo Russell's shoes, oh, you can go play with uh, the team that just won three out of five, you know, NBA Finals, and that's just Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and you know, uh, Clay Thompson. It's like, yeah, oh, I, I can live with that. I can live with that. Yeah. Yeah, he's the next. Uh, he's the next guy to come up on the Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Trent, Paul George trend. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, that's actually a good point. He he might be the next one that turns into the uh, you know he's looking to get out type thing or yep. whatever. And you know he's going to be linked to the Knicks because he's a Jersey kid. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, what's he's from? He's from South Jersey or no? I think he's from North Jersey. But Is he, it's. I think it's North Jersey. Yeah, I think it's North Jersey. There's no such thing as Central Jersey. It's just North or South. No, it's just, just North. North I think he's yeah. <laughs> well, is he maybe Camden? I think or something like I, that. I don't know. I think so. I forget. Did he play at St. Pat's? No, 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 no. no. Kyrie, that was same same Pat. Yeah, St. Pat's was Kyrie, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist. Yes. Um, a couple other guys, older guys, but yeah, he wasn't a St. Pat's guy. But uh, Edison, he's from Edison. Edison, that's that's what it is. So uh, that's yeah. It, uh, actually, is that that's probably North Jersey, right? So yeah, yeah. And he went to St. Joe's Metuchen. So okay, yeah, yeah. I used to okay, yeah. I used to go to Edison for work when I was driving delivery all the time back in the day. I just it feels like it was it was way more south than North Jersey, but. I guess not. It's like I guess it's like North Central Jersey. It's like I think it's like in the area of New Brunswick, like where Rutgers is. Mm. And you can't say Central Jersey. That's just not allowed. I I never say it, <laughs> but I'm from North Jersey, so 
I never go to Central Jersey. <laughs> yeah, that's at least me being a New Yorker. I've I've said Central Jersey before, and people there's no such thing as Central Jersey. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think unless you got any other games you want to talk about, I think we pretty much. Pretty much went through every uh, every big game for the Knicks this year. They got that early. It's going to be tough early on for them. But, I mean, who knows? If they survive December, they could have a nice little season. But I just, me personally, I don't feel that comfortable that they're going to survive that 13-game stretch in November slash December. So I kind of, the schedule release had me more pessimistic on the Knicks. How would you feel about that, Chip? Yeah, I wasn't too confident before the schedule release, and I'm even less confident now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wouldn't be, I feel the same way as you. I wouldn't be stunned if they made the playoffs, but uh, I'm not expecting it. I saw uh, Bleacher Report predicted that they're going to win 20 uh, games. That was a lot. Um, that was I a, was like, whoa. Yeah, that was a little. I don't know. I, I'm 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 as pessimistic as the next person as they come, but that was a little. Uh, I don't know. That seems a little low to me. Twenty. It's a twenty-nine. They had the second worst record in the league. They had a worse record than the Hornets. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't see that. I can't see that. Yeah. That's not a lot of love for the Cavs either. Too nineteen wins for the Cavs. Jeez. Yeah, I don't. But, I don't. Uh, I don't know enough yeah. about the Cavs, but yeah, for the Knicks, that seems. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to win 30 games or anything like that, but 20 is low. That is not that really is not low. many games at all. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that and that was I was looking at that too and that that goes to your point about the Hawks overrating to the guy, not that it's a huge win total, but the guy gave Atlanta 33 wins. I thought that was a little high. Yeah, for Atlanta, man. I think people are overrating them a little bit, but not. Uh, I was just saying, twenty wins for New York seems really, really freaking low. Like they were trying to lose games last year, like actively tanking, and they won seventeen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that they're going to be like the best team in the world, but they're. I feel like they're at least going to be trying to win games this year in which case you can like walk into like 25 games in that if you're trying to win you can you can steal a few here and there 20 might to me at least be a little low yeah definitely i i think 20 is a little low but i also don't think they're gonna win 30 or something like that yeah i think i think, I think mine right now if, if you ask me to guess i'm gonna say 27 but that's yeah. that's going to change in the next you know month or so before the season starts anyway. So yeah, I think I I initially I went with like twenty two or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've been flip flopping back and forth on it so much, but I don't know. I uh, I now that I've seen this like brutal stretch that they have to go through, I need to make a solid prediction. Um, mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough because the roster is obviously better. And like you said, they were losing on purpose last year. And they still mm-hmm. managed to win. Uh, not managed to win like they won a lot of games or something. But uh, it's it's weird. They're in a weird situation. So we'll see. It's, uh, it's going to be a very 
interesting year. This is a very important year for the Knicks and a huge year for Fisdale, too. I was thinking about that when Agreed. I saw the schedule. What a huge year for Fisdale this is. Yeah. I mean, you. I don't think it's going to be the same old, you know, they fire him after two years or anything like that, but the Knicks no, have, no, if the no, Knicks no. have a bad year after this year, it's going to be the seat's going to get very hot going into next season. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for you in the Knicks State of Mind podcast this week, but we'll catch you next week. Thanks again for uh, me, your host, Danny Small, and my co-host, Chip Murphy. Chip Murphy.